Hi everyone and welcome to James Talks episode 50. Yep, we've made it to 50 episodes. Uh, we started last September with just me and a microphone and my laptop. And here we are, we're at episode 50. So, yeah, as it was the 50th episode, I thought I'd just do just a Kind of, we've had a lot of interviews recently. Um, last week, last week was the first non-interview we've had for a long time, and there's going to be a lot more interviews coming in the next few weeks. I've got some amazing people. I've got authors, filmmakers, podcasters, radio, you know, um, and we've got some returning guests. Um, Alexander Shire is coming back for a series on the Gospels, which I know you're going to love. We've got. Kate Hendricks Thomas, our resident neuro- neuroscientist, who's coming back, um, and loads of other people, and yeah, it's going to be really, really good, and I'm excited to share these interviews with you. So, um, but for this episode, I just thought it might be good to take a step back, um, you know, and this episode is called Back Forward Now, um, and the reason I I called it that is because this episode is about reflecting back on what's what's happened, both on the podcast and in my own life in the last few months. Thinking what's going to be happening in the future, where we're going, where I'm going, where we're going. And now, thinking about the now, because the now is where we are. We're present right here, right now, in this moment, and all we can do is do what we can do now. So we need to think about that too. So, yeah, and also I just wanted to let you, before I really get into that, I want to just let you know a few um, bits and pieces that are going on. Some exciting stuff is happening. Um, I have a book coming out very, very soon. I mean, I haven't got a firm date yet, but it's going to be um, sometime this year called Mosaic of Grace. Um and of course, it's about grace. Um, it's about what grace is, about how it's crucial to our relationship with God, how grace transforms us, how grace is not just about happiness and joy, but about confronting difficult truths which allow us to grow and finding hope, whatever our life looks like, however messy it is. You know, grace is messy. Um, um, a friend of mine said that to me once, and it's so true. Grace is messy. And... We need to find hope in the midst of that. Um, And that's what that book's about. The book is pretty much done. um, And I will let you know more information about that when I have it. Um, But very excited. It's my first proper book. And yeah, that's going to be amazing. So, um, you know, um, secondly, I mean, I mentioned the podcast. We've got tons more great interviews coming up for you. We're talking about creativity a lot. We're going to be talking more about the Bible, about spirituality. We're going to be talking about neuroscience a bit more, um, and I'm trying to get some more guests as well. It's going to be going to be going to be amazing. And I love, I just love, love doing this and sharing all this stuff with you. And, and you know, because it's so, these guests are so incredible, and I think we all learn a lot from these guys. Uh, I've learned a lot from all of them. Um, so yeah, um, really excited about all of that. Um, and yeah, on my blog, um, I'll be blogging more in the next few months. That's going to continue. Um, 
I'm going to be talking about grace. I'm going to be talking about the process of creating a book. Um, and I'm hoping to get some more guest bloggers as well. And if you're a blogger and you'd like to blog for me, um, I'm not going to accept every submission, <laughs> every every submission that comes. But if you want to submit something um, that's around those kind of subjects on grace or creativity, um, yeah, just email me at james at jamesprescott.co.uk and yeah, let me know some your ideas and then we'll see what we can do. Um, I always love to give other people opportunities to share their work. So um, I'm, yeah, if you want to, if you if you're a writer and you want to guest post for me, um, I'd love to hear from you. So it's all going on. There's tons of new content coming your way in the next few months. Most of it will be completely free. Um, the book obviously won't be free because it costs money to produce a book, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, um, but I'm going to try and make that as cheap as I can as well. Um, you can still get my free ebook on authenticity and creativity called Dance of the Writer on my on my blog, on my website. That's jamesprescott.co.uk. Um, if you go there and you sign up um, to join the online community, then you will get that book sent to you free. You'll also get a link to join a Facebook group um, called Writers Together, um, where we grow together as writers, where we encourage each other, support each other, promote each other's work. And um, I'm trying to get to work on some extra resources to give to you in that group, members of that group, for free, um, exclusively for people of that group. So, um, yeah, I'd love you to join that group as well. And if you join that group, you also get another free book called Unlocking Creativity, which I've, I've written. And uh, you can buy that on Amazon if you like, but you can get it free if you join the Facebook group. So um, that's totally up to you. Um, so that's really what's going on with my work. Um but I wanted to share my own story of the last few months. I try to be vulnerable um, in my creative work. I try to be authentic. Um, you know, I try to be real. Um, obviously, there's certain boundaries where on vulnerability, which are really important. But I do try and be honest about, you know, that I don't have it all together either. That uh, my life is messy, that I have struggles, um, that I'm not perfect and... Um, I'm just learning as I go and sharing what I learn with other people. And that's I think that's what we're all doing, really. The people who pretend they have it all together don't really have it all together. There's nobody who has it all together at all. We all have insecurities and fears and doubts and imperfections. Um, and it's better just to own them. It's better just to own them. Because that's the only way we can confront them and deal with them. Um, yeah, and I've, got, I've learned some lessons in the last few months... Um, which I think might be encouraging and, and helpful to you. So I'm just going to talk about that for a bit, and um, yeah, and then we'll get. And then next week we've got a, we're going back to some interviews, and um, got a big one coming up the next few weeks. I'm really excited to share that. So um, yeah, so the last eight months for me have been really challenging because. I realised, and I think God has shown me, that I have been burying a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness and resentment, and a sense of betrayal and hurt from over 20 years ago, when I was a teenager. That was the period I was um, psychologically bullied at school every day. I was very shy, 
very sensitive and I was very naive as well so I was an easy target you know but it was but it was horrible and it was every single day pretty much I dreaded going to school I couldn't stand it I didn't like school at all um it was torture basically going to school every day um I was very lucky in that I had parents who really loved me unconditionally and didn't judge and didn't put high expectations on me and didn't set conditions on their love for me. Um, the problem was that at, the, at that time, my parents were fighting pretty much every day. My mum was struggling with um, short-term memory loss, uh, brain damage that she'd, that she'd got um, after an asthma attack a few years before. My dad was having to carry the whole family on his on his shoulders emotionally and um, financially and, you know... Um, Money was difficult. Money was tight, and it was um, very, very difficult. And my mum got very depressed. My mum started drinking, and became quite aggressive when she was um, when she was drinking. And my parents, who loved each other, I know they loved each other, and they had this great chemistry and this great spark. But the problem was that when things got difficult, that spark turned into something really difficult. Really nasty and I as the oldest I was always breaking up their fights every single day and I had no one to talk to about what was happening at school so I felt so I mean on reflection I think I felt betrayed I felt abandoned I felt forgotten I got used to the idea that I wasn't as important as everybody else um, that I wasn't that my thriving wasn't that important that and I started to believe the stories that people were telling me, that I was fat, that I was a loser, that I didn't matter, and that nobody cared about me, um, that I wasn't choosable, that I didn't belong. That was, that, was, that was what I was feeling. And I just resigned myself to that. I didn't, wasn't depressed about it. I just kind of accepted it, that, oh, this is how the world is. This is how I am, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I say that not to get pity at all, because um, but that's just that was just what I accepted about the world. Um, and although I didn't realise it at the time, I buried all of this hurt for twenty years. And it grew. And what I realised as well is that this sense of betrayal didn't just extend to my family. But actually, it was more about God. I felt betrayed by God. I felt abandoned by God. I felt forgotten by God. And that God didn't love me. And that God didn't want me. And that other people were more important to God than I was. And I felt that a lot more than the hurt from my parents. Because I knew my parents loved me. I'd seen how much they loved me. And they never judged me. And they and they accepted me as I was. Not as... They they wanted me to be or that I should be or whatever it was just whoever you are you're loved we love you you're accepted we'll we'll support you you know and I've seen that since and I've seen that before but with God I hadn't really and then my mum died as well which you know which was the most painful thing I've ever been through um, but that just reaffirmed this feeling, you know, that I didn't matter as much and that God didn't care and that God had forgotten me and that God 
had betrayed me, that I put my faith in him and that he betrayed me. Um, there was a deep anger inside of me, a hatred towards God. And it stopped me expressing any positive emotion because I, I closed myself off. You know, I didn't let myself feel the emotion that was inside of me. I still had those emotions, but I didn't, I didn't let myself feel them. And, that, you know, in time, that I did that so often that I just forgot what it was like to feel anything. The only emotion I could express was anger. And I, I struggled to trust anyone. I wanted to be in control of everything. I became more paranoid. Um, and I was kind of permanently anxious, on edge. Um, this was my subconscious self, but it was also the conscious self I, I gave to the world for a long time. Um, and I'm only seeing all of this now on reflection, because I've got distance from it. And also because last year at my home group, I was, we were having a discussion about something, and suddenly all of this just came out of me without me even thinking about it. I didn't even know it was there. And suddenly everyone had seen it. My home group had seen it. And I talked to my home group leaders afterwards and they told me that they'd seen, they'd seen this in me and that they were praying that this would come out. And that was a breakthrough moment for me because suddenly I'd named it. I'd owned it. And in that sense I became disconnected from it. It freed me from the control that it had over me. I mean, I knew in my mind that I was loved and accepted and belonged and that God was gracious and God was good and that God had been good to me and that God loved me and accepted me unconditionally and that Jesus died for me. and I knew all of that stuff for years in my head, but I'd never allowed myself to feel it because, again, I'd been burying my feelings and actually what I'd been feeling was completely contrary to that. So now, having done, having gone through all of that, I'm in a much healthier place. And I'm on the journey of wrestling with God and walking alongside God, dealing with these, dealing with these issues. I had a picture when I was at church recently, and it was a few months after this thing at home group and I did, it was like I walked to the top of a mountain with God and that's hard enough to walk to the top of a mountain and I was looking into this valley with God and it was dark, very dark and I didn't know what was in there and could barely see any light on the other side and God told me, are you ready to walk this with me? and I just said yes and I knew it would be painful, I knew it would be difficult I knew it would be a struggle I knew I'd have to confront things that I'd Buried for years. I knew that it would probably bring out the worst of me a little bit. But I knew I had to do it. I had Because what you have to do is you have to confront the darkness within you. You can't... You can't ignore it. You can't bury it. Eventually, the things that you've buried will bring themselves to the light. They will manifest themselves in how you live. In how you are with people. In how you behave. And the more you bury them, the worse it becomes. And I want to say that to challenge you because I know that a lot of us do this. 
because we like we have this face that we present to the public, to the people that are around us, and we think we're not allowed to say how we really feel. We're not we're not allowed to talk about the things that are really hurting us. That that's not acceptable behaviour. But we have to confront them. If we don't, and yeah, and we think that we think we can think the healthiest way to deal with our problems is to forget they even exist. But that's not the way to confront our problems. The best way to confront them is is to go and confront them. And confronting them is painful. I mean, that's the other reason people like to avoid dealing with problems, because they're too painful. When we go back to our dark times and our dark side, it's painful. It hurts. It physically hurts. I feel aches in my heart and in my body, which I'm sure are purely down to the fact that I've been wrestling with a lot of this stuff. It's affected, it's affected me physically, you know. Um, but I would not change it. I, I would rather confront it than avoid it. Because that's what you have to do. You have to confront the darkness in your life. If you're going to move forward, you have to look back. You have to confront that. And you have to confront it now. And that process takes time. And you keep going. And every day it gets a little bit better. This is this has definitely been my experience. I'm still struggling with a lot of this now, but I'm getting better it's getting better every day. Because I'm choosing to be intentional about confronting it. I'm, I've changed some of my routines. I've done more meditation and prayer. I've been going to church and praying and wrestling with God at church. I've been talking about this in my home group and getting prayer. I'm probably going to be going to see a spiritual director soon to help move this forward. You've got to be intentional about confronting these things. And again, and you know, it might be about timing. Sometimes it's the wrong time to confront our darkness. Sometimes we're not in a place where we can do that. And that's totally, totally true. Um, there is a time and a place for these things, but eventually you will have to do it. You know, um, eventually to grow, to move forward, you have to confront the pain and the suffering and the hurt that you've buried. I have dark days still, but I also have a, I also have days where I feel really hopeful and really optimistic, where I have this irrational but unshakable sense that I'm going to be okay, that I'm not alone, that there's real, authentic hope, and not just for me, but for all of us. You know, the world is a dark place at the moment, but talking to a friend of mine recently um, for an interview that we're going to be having soon, I... I was made aware that actually we can't solve all the world's problems. We can't solve all of our problems on our own. What we have to do is to hold on to the truth of the promise of Jesus. And Jesus confronted the darkness. He submitted himself to it. He let it do its worst to him. And it looked like there was no way out. It looked like it was the end. But then three days later, it wasn't the end. 
And he trusted that God knew what he was doing. He held on to that promise. And eventually it was realised. And sometimes we don't get to see the outcome of those promises. And certainly in the bigger context of the world we live in, we don't get to see all those promises fulfilled. But we keep doing what we can do to make the world better. In our own lives, we might see the outcome. If we, if we keep wrestling, if we keep confronting this stuff, if we keep working it through, slowly but surely, things get better. And I, I, know this for, I know this from my own life. It does get better. When my mum died, I thought it was the, the end of the world. I thought, there's nothing that can get me out of this. There's no hope at all. How am I ever going to live without this person? How am I going to ever live with this grief? But eventually, the days start to get better. You still feel the pain, you still feel the grief. But you learn to survive. You learn to live. And in my experience, even the most darkest experiences of our lives can be redeemed. God has somehow redeemed the death of my mother. He's used it to, to bring me to help me meet people that I would never have met if she had not died. I, would, I wouldn't have found my church if she hadn't have died because I wouldn't have met the person who brought me to the church in the first place. And that means my dad wouldn't have ended up coming to, the, to this church and rediscovering his faith. You know, now I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my mum to die. If I could go back and change it, I would. But God has redeemed it. God has somehow made, made some good out of it. And I believe actually that my experience of 20 years ago, God has somehow used those for good as well because I've become much more intentional about encouraging other people, supporting other people, believing in people. And one of the reasons for that is because I didn't get that when I was younger. And because I got told when I was younger that I wasn't any of those things that I, I didn't, wasn't I wasn't worthy I was, I didn't belong I wasn't enough and I didn't I wanted to make sure that nobody else ever felt that way about themselves so again God has somehow redeemed that as well we've got to be intentional with our lives because if you're not intentional your life will simply pass you by. And your circumstances and moods and emotions and your pain will end up controlling you. I'm learning to be more intentional about my life. And it's hard work. But it's worth it. I'm learning to have more grace with myself. A friend told me once that I'd never treat others the way I treat myself. That I'm way too hard on myself. I punish myself unnecessarily. I talk myself down. I don't believe in myself, which is the precise opposite of how I treat other people. And this is somebody who knows me pretty well, so I trust their, I trust their judgment on this. And that's got to change. And like anything, it begins with grace. Having grace with ourselves. Me having grace with myself, knowing that I'm enough. That I belong, that I'm infinitely, unconditionally loved and accepted as I am.
and not defined by or valued based on my actions or relationships or status or successes or failures. That's so difficult to believe. It's the most difficult truth about grace. I'm absolutely convinced about it. And I struggle with it. And I know that a lot of other people I know struggle with this as well because I've talked to a lot of people about this and I know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with. That difficult truth that we are enough as we are and that we're loved and accepted and we belong unconditionally as we are. It's so contrary to the world we live in, to the culture that we live in. But you are enough. And you do belong. And you are unconditionally loved and accepted by God. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. The negative voices won't go away. But they're only as loud as we make them. If we keep on listening to them, then they'll keep their power over us. But if we stop listening, we learn not to hear them. At the very least, we, we learn to tune them out. In the film A Beautiful Mind, um, I forget the name of the main character, but it's a true story about a guy who was schizophrenic. And his brain used to project these... He, his brain created these three characters that he interacted with, that he thought they were real people. And they influenced the things he did and he went a bit crazy and had to go and get help. They didn't go away. But what he learned to do was ignore them. They were still there, but he didn't pay attention to them. He didn't engage with them. He didn't listen to them anymore. He saw them. Maybe even acknowledged them. But didn't pay, didn't pay attention to them. Didn't listen to them anymore. And they lost their power over him. And that's what we need to do with the voices in our head. We need to stop listening to them. Stop engaging with them. And choose to believe something else. And that's not easy. I'm not dressing that up at all. That is not an easy thing to do. But it's, but it's the only way to grow. And I'm learning that health is an interconnected thing. To be physically healthy, we need to be soulfully and mentally healthy. I've not been healthy in my heart or mind for a long time. And it's impacted my physical health, which has in turn impacted my mental and soulful health. And then it becomes a vicious circle, a negative cycle. And to change one, I need to change them all. And if I do, and again, that takes hard work, it takes time, it takes perseverance, and we might make mistakes along the way. But if we keep doing it, it eventually creates a more positive, healthy cycle. I'll still get depressed. I'll still get down. I'll still have issues and insecurities. But, I'll be, but if I can get into this positive cycle, I'll be coming at those from a healthier place, which makes a massive difference. All of us suffer. All of us encounter the darkness. And our darkness shouldn't be buried and ignored. I know from harsh experience that all that does is give it more power over us. The more I buried my pain, the more power it had over me, and the worse the wound became. No, the darkness needs light to shine on it. To bring healing, transformation, redemption and hope. And as I'm discovering, this is a painful, difficult process and sometimes a long process, but I'm realising it's absolutely necessary for our growth. 
The only way to deal with darkness is to confront it with light. Now, I'm not a saint, I don't have it all together, and this is not the only foolproof method for this. I'm not going to be one of those people that says, this is the foolproof, fundamental, only method that you can deal with your darkness. I'm still walking this journey, and I'm still exploring what it looks like. But I do know that burying your darkness and hiding it away and not confronting it doesn't destroy it, it just gives it power. And we need to confront it. How we do that, how we process that, how we work that through, that depends on who we are. We'll each have our own way of dealing with that. We'll each have our own process which works for us. There's no magic formula. But we have to find the way that works for us. And maybe this that isn't now, but one day we'll need to do it. But we don't have to do it alone. Hopefully we've got good friends, we've got wise people who love us, people who tell us the truth, people who will get us through and be there for us when we need them. I've had that. I've been very, very lucky. I've got this amazing home group who are so supportive, um, not just in meetings, but outside of that as well. And um, I have, I wouldn't have got, wouldn't be getting through this process so well if it wasn't for that support I had from that small group that I'm part of, where I can be vulnerable and honest and tell the truth and say what I'm feeling, say what I'm going through and know that it's confidential and it's safe and that I won't be judged, that I'll just be loved. And we all need that. And if you can't find that physically, then find it somewhere else. Find it, you know. That's the great thing about social media. I've made some really close friends on social media. I've got, I've got close friends in America who I've been encouraging and supporting and helping through their difficult stuff. It is good to have physical interaction, but if you can't find that, then do find something. If you need to, if you need someone, you can email me, james at jamesprescott.co.uk. If you need someone to hear, just to hear you, I'll listen. Because we all need that. We all need that support. But above all, we need the Spirit of God. The spirit who wants to walk with us slowly and painfully through the valley and bring us out the other side. A friend of mine said that sometimes he sits down and prays every morning and just invites Jesus to sit next to him. And that is an amazing thing. I've been trying to do that. Centre myself every morning to just stop and pray every morning and allow, and allow myself to get centred around God. And invite God into the day. And ask Jesus to sit next to me. Because he never leaves us. It might seem like he's absent, but he's not. He's just silent. But he's always with us. Sometimes he's silent and I don't... And you know what? I don't know why. I don't know why. Don't, I, 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 I couldn't tell you. Why was God silent when my mum, why was God silent when my mum died? I don't know. Why was God silent when I was going through... All that stuff as a teenager, I don't know. I do know though that when I was a teenager, that that's when actually I found faith. Because I started praying every day because I had no one else to talk to. I didn't listen to God much, but I just talked. Maybe that's what God was maybe that's why God was silent then, because he was listening. 
And he couldn't interfere with my parents' behaviour because that would be interfering with free will. That would be a dictator God. Maybe what he maybe he did what he could do, which was listen to what I had to say, listen to what my heart was saying. That's what I've been learning. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's absent. He's never absent. He's with us all the time. No matter what you are or what you're going through today, don't lose hope. Keep going. Never give up. It's the only way to healing and transformation and to become the people we were born to be. To close, I want to encourage you with this little, um, it's not a poem, but you can call it a benediction if you want. But Something which I believe is at the heart of grace, which is the beginning of every journey. You are enough as you are. You belong as you are. You are lovable as you are. You are infinitely and unconditionally loved and accepted by God as you are. And you're awesome as you are. That's the truth for all of us. Including you. So just meditate on that this week. Let it sink in. Choose to believe it even if you don't feel it. Build your life on a foundation of grace and confront your darkness and shine a light on it so that you can begin the journey of transformation. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.